0: In an article from earlier this year in USA Today, it was reported that one in four LGBTQIA plus college students have considered dropping out of school because of mental health challenges. And a huge percentage of these students, 92%, say their mental health struggles have negatively impacted part of their college experience. This week in the crow's nest, we're focusing on LGBTQIA plus mental health. My name is Randy Scott, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor at the UW Bothell Counseling Center. I'm excited to be joined today by two counselors who are passionate about the mental health of LGBTQIA students. First up is Adam John Aparicio, a licensed mental health counselor in both Washington and Colorado, who serves as a counselor at Axis Counseling. Adam John, you've also worked on college campuses in the past. So I'm curious, what do you see as the biggest mental health challenges students are facing right now?
1: I think that for folks who are coming back to campus, so ones who are sophomores, juniors, or if they're in even in grad school and starting that second or third year, I think it's almost like a redo. It's um, how do I start fresh from the last year? Um, I think it's important for people to ask themselves, like, what did they learn from the previous year? Um, but I think that sometimes people forget that, that they've been here. They know how the university works. They know how um, university life overall works. Um, but I do think it's important to take a step back and ask yourself, what do I want out of this year? Um, how can this be similar? How can it be different? Um, and I often think that students feel like first year being in that um, first year of graduate school or first year as a first year student is the only time they can make friends. And I think it's important to remind themselves that you get a do-over every quarter, every semester, every fall. And, um, and it's kind of a unique thing to do because once you leave university life, um, the beginning of the year is, is different it's no longer in that academic year calendar. And so I try to tell students as much as possible, seize this wonderful time of of, um, rejuvenation, of of restart and reframing from the last year.
0: You know, a a lot of students um, are maybe leaving home for the first time or, um, you know, coming out of high school where things have been very, you know, structured, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're coming to campus and they have an opportunity to explore. And some of that exploration might be exploring their identities for the first time. Um, That can be scary for a lot of folks. What, What kind of guidance do you think is helpful for them as they're starting to kind of figure out who they are?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important question because I even think back to my first experience, first year in school and second year in school, Um, I was a first-generation college student. Um, I identify as Latino um, and as a gay man. Back in the day, I had just come out. And so I was really trying to figure out who I was and whether that's in romantic relationships, but also um, how do I represent myself in friendships and in groups? And so I do think that it's important for people to recognize that you've had 12 years in K-12 school where the bell rang and you did something. You also had sports. You had student orgs and clubs. You had parents uh, perhaps making food for you at a certain time. There's so much regimented um, that, and, and you were also working so hard to get to college. So what ends up happening is that when people um, are doing all that work and then they get to college, they're almost like, oh, like what is my identity now? Like as a student, what is my identity as somebody who's a person of color or somebody who is um, part of the LGBTQ community, or just trying to figure out their life in general about who they want to be in this world. Um, and sorry, Boo, but there is no uh, bell ringing to uh, <laughs> to give you <laughs> to tell you where to go next. Um, but the wonderful thing about university life is that there are people like yourself, Randy. There are uh, counselors, there are um, RAs, there are resident directors. There's even folks in the career center who are there to guide you along the way, not. One single person at school is going to ring the bell for you, but everybody's kind of trying to point you in the right direction, whatever your right direction is. Um, And that can be a real big shift when you've had a prescribed life for so long. And so I think my advice to folks who are unpacking their identity development with all of this transition into college, too, is to to just uh, go slow, Um, know that it's difficult for many people and they're probably fronting if they're making it sound all kind of easy because we all have insecurities and we all have um, opportunities to connect with each other based on our identities. Um, So one of the things is I think is to explore community and to try the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Like, going to that student club meeting, or um, kind of uh, saying hi to people at the dining hall, even though it feels really nerve wracking. Um, because I think that those are the moments where we um, sit in our brave space, and we we can connect with people who could be lifelong friends. Mm.
0: You know, you, you mentioned, um... LGBTQ plus identity. And that is definitely something that um, students are starting to start to develop a little bit. Like, who am I? What, what, how am I going to identify? Do I need to identify? Right. Um, What about coming out now? I, I know this is a tough question to ask because it's so individual for everybody, right? But if somebody is struggling with that and thinking, you know, I, I think I want to explore this part of my identity. I'm thinking about coming out. What do they need to hear?
1: Yeah. Um, First and foremost, it is, um, you know, we're noticing that because of things like um, uh, social media, um, the Instagrams, the TikToks, all of these um, ways that we're interacting with folks. Um, that people are coming out earlier and that's wonderful. Um, However, um, that is a kind of a a virtual way of being out. Um, And so for some folks, they might be coming from certain parts of Washington or certain parts of the country or world where they've only been able to be themselves and explore their identity um, online or maybe with a couple of folks. Not everywhere is going to be as open, let's say as um, uh, I don't know, Cap Hill, Seattle um, and and kind of welcoming of somebody and their maybe um, their understanding of their gender identity when they're thirteen. Um, and so I think that that tells me that everybody is at their own um, place in their identity formation. Um, and we have to sometimes um, take a step back and recognize, okay, I have identified openly as, uh, let's say, uh, I'll just use myself as an example. Let's say I might be 18 in school. I identify as gay, and I came out two years ago. Well, that was great. I came out in high school, and that was a certain set of circumstances. But being out away from family and kind of um, Um, comfort or maybe (laughs) discomfort for some and being in in university and learning how to be yourself as a gay man it can be different and it was for me it was like uh, confusing wonderful but also like um, who am I in this identity and so I um, really try to help queer students um, as they're um, either if they've been out for years or they're just coming out um, to to lean into community um, lean into um, understanding who they are in their identity and what that means um, both platonically as well as in relationships. Um, and so sometimes and this is this is going to be difficult for some people but sometimes like, you gotta make friends with other queer people even though you might feel intimidated like they might know more about being queer or or they're further along in their development they might not accept me i'm not the right type of queer person again um nobody is here to say you are right or wrong in your identity you are the only person who gets to determine um, if you're comfortable or not in your own skin Um, And, and again, secrets out a lot of people, even if they seem confident on the outside, there's some part of them sometimes that are feeling like, am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Um, Even Beyonce thinks that she uh, can make mistakes sometimes. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, be like Beyonce and question yourself and, and take risks is something I always say.
0: Okay, it's hard to go anywhere after that. Once, once we've referenced Beyonce, it's like, okay, I think we've hit the high point. But I want to take just one more second here. I want, I want, to, um, I want to just wrap things up a little bit by talking about um, different ways that people um, can, can recognize in themselves when they need some additional help right? Because we are talking a lot about creating community and stuff. Um, but on top of the uh, existing anxiety that sometimes students come into, this can also create some intense anxiety as well. How how does a student who's exploring um, maybe their gender identity or their sexual orientation, how can they recognize when, oh, okay, I need just a little bit more help now? What do you think the signs are?
1: Yeah, I think the signs are often um, isolation. So if you are um, feeling like you might see a lot of people throughout the day, you're going to class, you're in the, the dining commons, you're at the library, and you're surrounded by people, but you don't feel like those folks know you. Um, and you feel sadness in others not getting to know you and you not getting to know others. Um And you don't know what to do about it. So I think that if you feel that way, um, this might be controversial to say, um, but I don't think going to counseling is the first answer. Um, Because um, you know, I love meeting with students who would like to be in counseling, but my forty-year-old person is is kind of not going to be a peer with you. It, It will help you. Um, you know, I can help you as a counselor learn coping skills and mechanisms and and um, help you make friends in, in ways that you want to, um, but I can't go with you to the dining hall. I can't go with you to the, the you know, your residence hall floor meeting. Um, and so that's where I say for folks to start with your local community, your residence hall, your um, student clubs And really sometimes um, uh, uh, challenge yourself when comfortable and sometimes when you're uncomfortable to meet new people who are of similar identity. And so that might even look like going to um, if there is a LGBT focused event and you might think "Mm, I'm not like super out or I don't I, I don't quite know where I land with identity in terms of gender or sexuality and I feel like people are gonna quiz me. Ain't nobody gonna be like, tell me your identities right now and 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 how you formulate <laughs> them. If they do, maybe they're just trying to get to know you, but you can also say like ah, I'm trying to figure it out still. Yeah. And and that's valid. That is valid. Yeah. Um so I'd really say um try new things because The way through anxiety, specifically like social anxiety or what we call social phobia, is not to avoid people. Um, It's it's important to know that um, the way through it is to be surrounded by people and to do the very thing that causes you some anxiety. Um, But also having a backup plan. Okay, I'm going to go to this program. I'm going to give myself 30 minutes and if I feel like it's too overwhelming, I'm going to back out of it and not feel guilty. My, my promise to you is that it will be easier the next time and then even easier the next time. And hopefully you might find somebody who's in a similar situation and um, you can build relationships based on that.
0: Adam, John, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Adam John can be reached through his website, accesscounseling.com. You can find a link in the description of this week's episode as well. Our next guest is Kelsey Davis, a therapist at Riverbank therapy. Kelsey, how did you find your way to becoming a social worker?
2: As cliche as it may sound, I come from my own very significant trauma and I focus on trauma, like especially in the queer and neurodivergent communities, um, which I also belong to. And um, coming out non-binary publicly and professionally, coming out queer professionally has actually been really helpful um, in my work. But... I really wanted to be the caretaker I did not have. And so mm. I really got into that work because I, I just saw a huge need for like openly queer providers and I wanted to help our community.
0: So it sounds like um, you decided to try to become what you never had exactly. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is really common for folks who go into the helping fields. Um what do you specifically hope to provide to people as a as a helper?
2: What yeah. do you want to do? Yeah. I really view my my position as as guidance rather than like advice or help. Um, that I'm not here. I I, I often use the analogy that I, I'm a lighthouse, I'm here to guide you through the storm, not judge you, and and you drive your own boat. Um so I look at it as very as like I'm not here to fix or I'm not here to provide um help but to provide guidance and support be a pillar of support in someone's life and i think what really got me into that or what i aim to give is is not only support as someone that also has been through many things because i definitely don't believe that like my experience i mean might be similar but i can't understand someone else's experience but to provide a safe space to say, hey, I understand at some level what it's like to be a queer kid, to not get that support. And I do work with young kids too, so like 13 to 100, but really seeing those different levels of progression through oppression as a queer person.
0: You know, you you touched on this, that everybody's journey is so unique and different. Um, And so it's hard to talk about LGBTQIA plus experiences as a monolith right and there are some themes that tend to come up around feeling scared to tell people they love yeah right to coming out is is hard it's scary in a lot of ways um specifically thinking about the college age experience Mm -hmm. if somebody is considering that or wondering if this is the right time you know if if you were their lighthouse in that situation, um, what, what would you guide them with?
2: Yeah, and I have been, like I have experience working in case managing in higher education. um, I've worked with like support groups in that college experience. Um, I am not first gen in terms of like undergraduate, but I am first gen for graduate school and I'm the first female presenting or AFAB person in my family to ever go to college. So there was a lot of pressure (laughs) on me to succeed. And I saw a lot of kids who were like, I mean, college is a time to explore and to really dig into that identity. And colleges now are really leaning into providing resources. But when I first started school, there were not a lot. And it is a scary experience to come out because is it the right time? Will I be judged? Will I have support? And so I think that guidance is really finding you know, your people or your chosen family in college. And that comes through trial and error, and it is not an easy experience to go through. So I think the guidance is, is to take the risk and put yourself out there. But on that same note, being very cautious, it is a tightrope in coming out and experiencing your identity because you need safety to do that.
0: I love how you phrase that, that uh, your chosen family, Um, because, you know, hopefully when somebody is is thinking about coming out, their family will be supportive, but not always.
2: That is always the hope. But from my experience, it it seems more common now. But when I was like, I was kicked out when I was 13, like very it was not a safe environment. It was not a place for me to explore my identity, but I'm seeing that now, especially with my clients, having very supportive parents and in that non-binary or trans identity and uh, that I just did not see when I was younger. And I'm not that old either, like being only 26 and like working with kids, you know, who I'm only 12 or 13 years older to, like just the, such a drastic change of support.
0: So I, you know, I, you mentioned also, you know, that you uh, identify as neurodivergent and I, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about um, intersectional identities. And mm-hmm. I'm curious how, if at all, that plays into your queer identity also.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do. I'm very curious that there's not more research being done between the correlation of of like a gender nonconforming person and queer identities, because I see it a lot. Um, and I mean, I have my own working theories on that, but I, I do have a large group of people who are neurodivergent and also gender nonconforming. And I think that intersectionality of just like not fitting into this box, especially that queer identity that like, and it's, and I really honor like to think differently. And, and really lean in and be authentic to yourself, which is definitely not the culture we live in, which is a whole nother tangent around like applied behavioral analysis. But I really enjoy working with these populations. Um, and I'm, I'm currently working and trying to build a support group for autistic OCD and ADHD adults, because there's a lot out there for kiddos, but not after you turn 18 or 19, it's harder to find that support.
0: You know, I, I well—that's amazing. By the way, I think that I think I think that would fill up very quickly. I think there's definitely um, a hunger for community around yeah. that,
2: and how to connect. It it is a challenge because we connect differently, and and not to speak for the entire population at all. And um, I share that identity of autism, and I have OCD, and just like being able to really express that knowledge and coping strategies with clients really helps build rapport.
0: I I so appreciate how forthcoming you are with those things. And um, I'm curious how you got to that place.
2: Yeah, it was not an easy journey. I have been discriminated against in organizations and when I thought it would be advantageous to disclose. And I think that self-disclosure, especially when using like therapies like ACT but or like therapeutic use of self, I think it's really important to build rapport with other clients. And I've had clients who are like, I'm really seeking out a neurodiverse therapist. And that's when I came out professionally, which is actually within the last few months. Um, the uh, non-binary, like my family is not accepting of that, accepting that I'm queer, but doesn't understand that nebulous identity of of, of, uh, non-binary. So to really come out and be there for my clients has been a journey of not only like, what is the best way to do this, but in healing in my own experience too
0: you mentioned that nebulous world and you know one of the things uh, that i know that you and i both i'm sure do with uh, folks we work with is trying to help people get more comfortable with that area of gray and messiness yes. right it's not clear um it, and and, and especially these days right i mean you can you can explore gender through gender fluidity right, right. you're you're not stuck in one place or another
2: Yeah, my approach is very much breaking down those social norms, and even to people who experience more of that heteronormative. Uh, construct. And I'm very clear with my bias to that, that I don't understand. I don't operate in that world, but that I honor what each person needs. And I want to provide individuals, individualized care for each of my clients. And I think it's important to name our bias and say, like, I support your decision. I don't fully understand it. But something I learned in grad school is that you do not have to have lived or have experienced to connect with someone on something.
0: No, I, I, one of the things that we talk a lot about on campus, because some of the things that we see very often in the counseling center, you know, is um, anxiety. I mean, Mm -hmm. that depression, right? I mean, these are, these are normal things that are part of the lived experience, especially when you're a college student.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: And sometimes for folks who are exploring different aspects of their identity or thinking about coming out, that anxiety can spike. really, really fast and really high. Um, What kind of tips do you work with folks on um, to help them control anxiety?
2: Yeah. And I think I, I like that you use the word control because I think the best answer is to not control it, is to lean into that anxiety. As someone with OCD, so severe anxiety and panic to really lean into that unknown, that uncertainty, mm-hmm. because we, we really crave, we want to know what's going to happen. And so I think like the, maybe it will be bad. Maybe it won't be bad. And then really leaning into, I will be okay, regardless of the outcome and living your truth is how I lean into anxiety.
0: So this month, um, you know, we're celebrating coming out for a lot yes. of folks. This is, this is uh, the month for that. Um If somebody is right on the verge of thinking about doing that, what pieces of advice from your own experience would you give them?
2: Yeah. So I actually came out twice. I came out to my mom and I got kicked out. (laughs) So I was really afraid to come out to my dad and I had my car packed and I was ready to leave, ready to be rejected again. And he was like, oh, I've known since you were 13, get your ass inside. And I was like, oh, okay, like I was ready to leave. And I think really like it does take a plunge of of risk, like that it could go bad, but that at the end of the day, living with people that support me and allow me to be authentic has been a healthy decision. I have not spoken to my mother in almost 10 years and it was hard. And I don't think we normalize that even cutting out toxic people from our life causes grief. And to be able to say, And make that decision of like, this is not healthy for me. And I do not hold grudge, but like I cannot actively have her in my life. So coming out, I think is a very personal decision and on your own timeline and that there is no right or wrong way to do it. And just leaning into what feels right for you and finding those people. And you might lose some people, but maybe they weren't the people you needed in your life at that time.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. It's really important stuff.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: If you'd like to get in touch with Kelsey, you can do so at riverbanktherapy.com. We'll also link to the website in the description of this podcast. So during the month of October, when this episode was put together, we celebrated National Coming Out Day. Now, as you've heard from our guests, everyone's story of coming out is different. But the most important thing that I want to leave you with today is that your story no matter what it is, is powerful and meaningful. Your story matters, and so do you. That's gonna do it for this episode of The Crow's Nest. We love getting your emails, so reach out with your comments, questions, or suggestions. You can get in touch with us at uwbcc at My name is Randy Scott. Thank you for joining me this week. We'll see you next time in The Crow's Nest. You got this.
2: The Crow's Nest podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the My SSP app.